0: everyone. Welcome back to another week, another episode of uh, On the Journey. Of course, um Eric, one of your hosts, and we got Nate here, and we have a super special guest, uh, Dr. Crescentia Felty. And from what we understand, she is a doctor of uh, nature, naturopathy, is that correct to say? And uh, holistic healing. Um, it sounds like uh, she has a lot of interesting stories to share with us and we hope wherever you guys are, wherever you're listening, you tune in and uh, really pay attention because she's got some cool stuff to share. So Dr. Felty, thank you for being here.
1: Absolutely, thank you for having me, I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> so with every episode we we start by um, just getting a sense of your background and your history and how you got into the profession you're currently in.
1: Yeah, so I'm in naturopathic medicine and holistic medicine, and this medicine really focuses on teaching people how to heal themselves and how to activate people's natural ability to heal, which we all possess. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you cut your hand, your immune system immediately activates to recruit white blood cells and inflame the area and grow new skin. This happens everywhere in the body. If you provide the body with the right condition to heal. And I've learned this in my own path because I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was 14 years old. And it really hit me hard because I was an athlete. I didn't have any health problems. Um, I was very active and out of nowhere. Uh, pretty much my digestive system decided to shut down and become very inflamed. And so I have spent weeks and months in hospital beds during high school, um, trying to get solutions, trying to heal myself. And I really always ended up at dead ends. Um, You know, doctors told me that I would be dead by 21. They said that I had to be on medications for the rest of my life and that I would have to surgically remove my colon in order to feel well. And I would have to wear a colostomy bag on the side of my uh, rib cage for the rest of my life. And this was when I was 16, 17 years old. So this is at a time where you want to be playing with your friends and experiencing high school and having fun. And this is when I was the sickest that I've ever been. And this journey has really uh, fueled me because I didn't listen to any of the doctors and I kept rejecting what they were telling me. And I kept looking for another route. And thankfully my mom refused surgery and said, we got to go to a natural health food store. We got to talk to someone who understands herbs and other things because we're not getting anywhere. And one thing led to another. I started drinking aloe vera juice to heal my stomach and started changing my diet and little by little things started to improve, but things really didn't improve until I moved to Chicago Uh, When I moved to Chicago, I met a few people who really changed the trajectory of my health. And changing my diet, changing my lifestyle, radically improved my symptoms. And within 30 days, 45 days, I got off of 20 pills a day, uh, my symptoms reduced, and uh, that's 13 years now that I've been medication-free no surgery and I've just continued to heal my digestive system and I was always told you couldn't do that. So now I've become a doctor to teach people that they can heal themselves and they can strengthen and support their weakened organs and systems in their body and figure out what is the root cause to those weakened organs and systems. And a lot of times it's mental, emotional, Issues that cause physical issues. and so I really help people with that. And I really love what I do because I understand, you know, the healing journey and how painful it is. Um, so that's really what has gotten me into naturopathic medicine. Uh, it's healing myself. Um, and naturopathic medicine, I found very randomly. I mean, I was in journalism, I was doing health news, uh, and then one opportunity opened up from the next, and I started working at a doctor's office, And at that doctor's office, it was a holistic office. They did physical therapy, acupuncture, massage therapy. They had a counselor there that uh, did talk therapy with people, um, chiropractic. There was an MD that did prescriptions uh, if needed. So I got this experience from a really... holistic view of healthcare that I never experienced before and it inspired me. It inspired me to get into the health field and do things in this way, in the, this holistic way um, and that's what led me to med school.
2: Sure. Okay Nate how you how you feeling about that? I'm just I'm just soaking it in like um one thing um, I was like thinking to ask you while you were speaking is um In your journey and trying to help other people as far as healing themselves and getting into tune with everything that's going on in their bodies, have you like ran into any places and times where people aren't receptive to what you're telling them and they don't necessarily believe the idea that we can heal ourselves and that, you know, just positive thinking is going to do it enough? Because I feel like people themselves usually just want something more tangible where they feel like they have to take something to actually fix something instead of themselves being this problem the the solution to that problem
1: yeah so i don't try to change people's minds i attract people who want to heal themselves who have a desire to heal themselves if you don't have a desire to heal yourself then you're not going to decide to go to a naturopathic doctor like you need to be so um willing to do anything. And that means change up your diet, change up your lifestyle, do deep work and work on your consciousness, work on your trauma. If you're not willing to go there, I don't want to, I don't want to even try to help you because you're not going to get the results. You know, everything it comes from the mind. So if someone is unwilling, my job isn't to change them. My job is to be here and be ready when they are.
0: That really ties back, and Nate's question ties back to what you said about um, issues stemming from the way people feel mentally and how your your mental state of being can have an effect on your physical being, that if you're not mentally prepared to, like you said, change your lifestyle, change your habits, then you're not going to be physically ready to heal. And
1: no, exactly.
0: I think I think it's before we go any further. I feel like that's a really point, important point to touch on, that uh, the mental can really affect the physical. And so, what has your experience been with that? Has has the mental uh, people's mental thinking really truly affected um, the way they feel physically?
1: A hundred percent, every single time. Your mental health. And your mindset is going to dictate your physical health
2: Mm.
1: every single time in every single one of us. That's one thing. Like each body is different. Each person needs different things, but this is something that doesn't change. This is a natural law and this is a natural law that most people don't understand and don't understand how to develop.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. That's why, you know, emotional intelligence is becoming a bigger field. That's why um, a lot of things like somatic therapy, I'm sure we'll touch on that, is becoming more of a bigger field, because people are in their minds, and they're not even aware that their minds are actually causing their physical p- problems.
0: Are there any direct correlations that you found between like certain mental dots and processes to that have directly correlated with certain uh, physical problems.
1: Yes, like everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Literally,
1: yeah. everything. like. like uh, well, you know, just some uh, examples of this is like for the stomach. You know, for digestion. If someone is having a hard time digesting their experiences and their life, and they're unable to digest. Things in a calm way, or they, or they don't digest them at all. They're just kind of suppressing what they're going through. That's going to manifest in the stomach. You know, yeah. things like um, arthritis. Arthritis absolutely can be caused from a lack of vitamins um, and a lack of vitamins to balance the immune system. Um, but they also it also can be caused from feeling unloved having constant self-criticism, having resentment, you know, having this lack of love or chronic bitterness. There's so many emotions that directly correlate with physical symptoms.
0: I love this already. This is I, it's so interesting to me because I there's been times in my life where I've felt like I've, I'm feeling uh, an emotion like like you said, resentment or anger or whatever it may be that literally makes your body like heat up and you feel hot and you feel bothered. Mm-hmm. And you can almost feel it in your stomach that you, feel, you can feel that it's beyond mental or emotional or emotional. You can feel something physically changing. Right. Uh, and that is maybe where the problems come in, the physical problems. Mm-hmm.
1: And that happens because when you're stressed out, you are going to start producing hormones in the body because Mm -hmm. the body is constantly responding to the mind. The body can't discern if, oh, we shouldn't produce these hormones. She's just stressed out right now. No, (laughs) you're stressed out. So the body's going to go, oh, stress. Let's turn on that fight or flight stress system, that nervous system. Let's increase the heart rate. Let's increase cortisol, the stress hormone. Let's increase certain hormones that are going to inflame the body because that body is thinking it's about to be chased by a bear because in the mind, that's how you're feeling. You're feeling like you're in survival mode.
0: Interesting.
1: So when you're in constant survival mode, these hormones are constantly being... Produced and you're drowning in these stress and inflammatory hormones. And the body now has to adapt to a mind that is stressed out all the time.
2: Mm. So now the
1: organs have to adapt to all these stress hormones and all this inflammation. Not to mention, if you're stressed out, you're probably eating poorly. You're probably not working out. You're probably not taking care of yourself. You're probably feeding yourself bad thoughts, you know, and you're probably watching things on the news that are triggering you because it does that, Uh, or you're watching social media, you know, that's reducing your confidence because you're comparing yourself to other people. It's like all these things that could be feeding yourself Inflammation and stress. So then the body's constantly having to adapt. And after so long, the body is so resilient. And this is something I've learned in med school, in my personal life, but also with so many people who I've seen reverse and heal themselves who've been chronically ill for decades. The body is so resilient. You can eat processed foods, you can be stressed out, you can smoke, you can drink alcohol for 30, 40, 50 years and feel fine. But then once the threshold of that stress tips over, the body then begins to break down because it's been trying to adapt for 30, 40 years on things that your body actually can't heal from. It's constantly combating stressors. So after so long, the body breaks down. And then we wonder why we have symptoms or wonder why we become diabetic or wonder why we have high blood pressure, but we've been stressed out and stressing our bodies out for 30, 40 years.
0: Is there a way to find that threshold of tolerance? I know it varies per person, so it's a little bit difficult, but is there a way?
1: Yeah. um, I would say the best way is Hmm. It's difficult because you can do lab work, you can do blood work and you can see what's going on with like the kidneys, the liver, you can see Mm -hmm. what's going on with the adrenals. Um, I would say the best thing to do is, is to get blood work, get vitamin deficiency testing, find out what's happening in your microbiome, you know, the ecosystem in your stomach of good and bad bacteria. Um, because when you figure out where your deficiencies are and where the imbalances are and you fix that Mm -hmm. that threshold increases, you know, because then if you aren't deficient, if you balance the hormones or balance, whatever is going on, then you'll be able to live longer, feel better, function longer, live longer. But if you don't catch those vitamin deficiencies or hormone imbalances or see You know, if you don't get regular blood work and see that um, the liver enzymes are starting to increase and they didn't last year, oh, well, what's going on with the liver? You got to fix that now. So that way you can have that liver function much longer.
2: Hmm. Wow. So it's almost like it's deeper than just a regular checkup and getting your height and weight and seeing if your teeth are clean. (laughs) To to see if the organs are working well.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, my, so at the office that I work at, uh, we have an, I, I have a physician and I do all my lab testing through him. And I would say the panel that I do is probably the most comprehensive I've ever seen because I've seen a lot of panels, a lot of blood work tests. And the blood work tests that you get with your primary care unless you're seeing a functional or holistic or naturopathic um, primary care doc, most likely those tests are so limited and narrow that they really don't show you anything. They might show you just a quick snapshot, like liver's good, kidneys good, um, thyroid, some markers of the thyroid look good. You're great. Cholesterol is a little elevated, but you're good to go. What I do is, not only look at that one thyroid marker, but I look at five others. And then other than just the liver and kidneys, I'm looking at the adrenals, the pituitary. I'm looking at the heart. I'm also looking at all your vitamins. I'm looking at inflammation. I'm looking at your hormones, which aren't regularly tested. Because what if you come to me and you have um, low energy? Well, you might have low testosterone, but maybe it's not that, maybe it's low B12. Or maybe it is that you've been exposed to mold or Lyme or an infection and you just don't know it. Well, the conventional tests, they don't look for that stuff because they're not trying to get to the root cause of your problems. They're trying to suppress the problem with medication rather Mm. than fixing the actual cause of that problem.
0: Yeah, I was, So I actually went to a physical therapist. Over uh, quarantine, when everything went crazy, um, I went back to North Carolina and I went and saw a physical therapist for my back. The first meeting wasn't just like physical assessment of my, you know, my hamstrings ability to flexibility and my my, where the pain was in my back. And she also asked me questions about uh, my um, my personal life and how my mental state of being and made the point that the way you think mentally affects your physical body and that the pain in the back isn't necessarily the problem. It, mm-hmm. it's The pain is bringing your attention to a problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess my point in bringing this up is that sometimes doctors, traditional doctors will kind of, it feels like, will kind of look at uh, the surface problem, which is the pain, instead of trying to dive deeper into Um, the larger issue
1: right right and usually when they see pain they will give you a pain suppressant Mm -hmm. rather than diving in and figuring out okay what is really causing this pain Mm -hmm. is this person sad has this person been abused you know Mm -hmm. has this person been through something traumatic is this person stressed the hell out and needs a therapist you know
0: yeah 100% um i also i have tons of questions about your 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 uh personal story and i feel like we touched on it briefly but it for me personally it was so powerful because uh you were given this devastating news at such a young age um and the doctors told you to take 20 pills a day to take out an organ and you made the decision to not uh, follow the doctor's advice. Um, How did you come to that? How did you decide that this isn't the best route? And how did you find the proper medications to uh, solve your issue naturally?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really grateful for my mom. Because during this time, you know, I'm young. I'm 15, I'm 16, I'm 17. And she was the one that they were talking to directly. Um, her and my dad. But my dad had to be home with my brother and sister. So my mom really took the, you know, she she, she led uh, the forces on that. And I think when they told us that we had to do surgery, I think that was the tipping point. It was kind of like... No, like she's young. Like, why would you have to get rid of her colon? Like, she doesn't have cancer in the colon. Like, that just doesn't, it just didn't sound right. It didn't feel right. And, um, you know, my mom refusing that really gave me an example to also refuse um, all future treatments that I didn't agree with Um, because I kept getting sicker every year I kept getting sicker and I kept eating the same way I've always ate, which wasn't good. It was the standard American diet, you know, lots of meat, potatoes, candy, soda, fast food, you know, I just ate like a normal teenager. Um, And, you know, I definitely had some veggies here and there, but not like you now, not at all. Um, It was much more processed and I think uh just hearing them say that you have to remove your colon, you have to be on medications forever. There are no other options. There are no other alternatives. You know, hearing that and not questioning it and just listening to them um is really important and watching my mom question their judgment really helped me. And I would say up until, and I got I got fired from gastroenterologists, multiple gastroenterologists, because I wanted to wean off my meds. I didn't want to do surgery. And because I didn't want to be compliant to their standards, they fired me. So I, I had to keep looking for different gastroenterologists because I just... Nothing that they were saying gave me a solution. You know, no one was helping me understand the mechanism of this inflammatory bowel disease. You know, they gave me some pamphlets and said you can keep eating what you're doing. Um, you know, do more of a bland diet for now, which was like crackers and rice Sounds and like chips. a brat diet. Yes, uh, somewhat, but just really bland. Not a lot of spice um, not fi- no fiber. So don't do vegetables, you know, because it's too much fiber. Um, all these things and I followed them and I just didn't get better. And then it was when I moved to Chicago in 2008, I was 20. Um, I was super excited to like start school and the energy of the city. And I started working at a gym here called export and it was right by my college. And It was at Export that I met a personal trainer. And, uh, you know, I I still think about him. He's amazing. He's still kicking butt in work and in helping people with their health and diet. But he he was vegan at the time. And he's like, you know, I've had stomach issues my whole life. And when I went vegan, it really helped me. You know, I would really consider Doing a vegan plant based diet and exercising, you know, five days a week, and maybe seeing a chiropractor and an acupuncturist. I didn't even know what a chiropractor was. I didn't even know what an acupuncturist was. So I, you know, I'm coming from, you know, a place where I've only seen gastroenterologists and they've said there's no other way. So when I heard that, I went, okay, I'm open. Like, let's do this, and I went vegan, I went and saw a chiropractor, I went and saw an acupuncturist, I started working out five days a week, and within a month, my symptoms went away. And it was that dramatic of a change, that radical of a change, that I went, okay, I'm weaning off my medications, I don't believe anything they've ever said to me, I don't think they understand health, and I'm going to work on healing myself and i slowly have been doing that since 2008 and i've had never had to be on medication since and i've never had surgery and i'm still alive you know and i'm still i'm doing better now than i've ever been mm-hmm. and i think that um listening to your own intuition and also questioning Everything that you're being told is so important. And that's what also really drove me into journalism is questioning things and understanding things. You know, I wanted to become an investigative journalist to uh, teach people about big pharma and Mm -hmm. conventional medicine and factory farming and where we're getting our foods because I realized that the foods that I was eating were inflaming me. And I realized that the medications weren't helping me. They were turning off inflammation, which is good if you need it in an acute situation. But long term, you got to figure out what is triggering the inflammation. So that's really what got me to this place is moving to Chicago, meeting someone, and then really owning that and taking my power back and seeing a chiropractor and seeing the acupuncturist and, you know, becoming so, um, disciplined. So that way now I have freedom.
0: Mm. That freedom must feel good.
1: It does. It feels amazing. And that's what really, uh, that's why I love what I do because I want to support people in giving them their freedom. And teaching them that they can take their own freedom back. Because really, I don't do anything. I just teach people that they are the best doctor and they can heal themselves. I just teach them how to do it. And also, like, some things that they can change to enhance their own healing
2: ability, too. Mm, optimizing and restoring health, huh?
1: Yes, exactly. There
2: you go. <laughs> comes exactly. in. So like when I was taking, um, when I was reading your your bio on your website, which was like, and I'm like, I just started reading it. I'm just like, she just does everything. Like I'm just reading this. And then one part it says that you are trained in neutrogenics. Mm. And uh, I have absolutely no idea what that is. So can you like clarify a little bit what it is that neutrogenics is?
1: Yes, of course. And it's Nutra Neutrogenomics. Yes, and nutrigenomics is the study of how the diet influences gene expression. So I'm really big into epigenetics because, and first let me explain, epigenetics um, are, it's the study of how genes and gene expression can be turned on and turned off based off of the environment. So if your environment is very stressful, if it's very inflammatory, then the genes are going to express disease. But if your environment is supportive, it's peaceful, you know, you're calming stress when it does ramp up a little bit, the genes are not going to express disease the same way. That's epigenetics. And I've learned that in myself, I've learned that in other people, where nutrigenomics is not only uh, changing, turning on and off the genes with. Um, environment, but specifically with food. And there's so much research out there that shows you can be, uh, you can eat certain foods and keep disease expression off. You know, just because you have been given diabetes in your genetics doesn't mean you need to express diabetes. You can keep that off. But if you keep doing the habits that your family has always done that has given them the genes for diabetes, then you will express
2: diabetes too. Hmm. Wow, That's, uh, that, hit, that, that, that definitely just clicked because I all the time I hear people say, oh, high blood pressure runs in my family, but you continue to do the things that gave your family high blood pressure. You okay. know, and like uh, people would be like, oh, my, my grandfather died of a heart attack and my father died of a heart attack. What are you doing different than they are? You know, because I also, I work in the emergency medicine medical field. I work as an EMT in New York City.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you for your work and your service.
2: Of course, of course, I try, I try to try to do what I gotta do now. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's amazing, and I mean, what's that like for you as far as stress?
2: It's um, as far as stress goes, like I've always been like a uh, uh, one of those type of people where I can like absorb stress from others and be okay with it. Like I don't necessarily like um. Like overstress myself or take take it um take it to to a point where it's like I can't handle it. Like I'm mm-hmm. able to handle certain sh- like stressful situations and understand that it's just an experience and that it's not it's not something that I need to take in and make it my lifelong experience. Just it's just the moment. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's it's just handling it day by day, situation by situation, and just learning how to different ways to decompress after work. Like mm-hmm. when I have chances, I go like directly from work to the gym. You know, or like, I'll like right before I start working, I'll do like my little meditate, my, my meditation, my self-talk right before I start working, mm-hmm. or like I'll listen to my favorite songs right before I clock in, and then like right after, I'll just do the same thing, just keep going, keep it going. And it's um the hardest part, I would say about working in emergency medicine is uh is one talking to people. Like I also I'm a, I, I'm not a big fan of hospitals. I I have my own beef with big pharma and I you know I I build my own conspiracy theories on what it is that the the uh the farming community and big pharma how they they have like weird relationships that don't make sense and so I'm just not into the whole like I don't want to say definitive care world but I'm not into like hospitals as far as like long-term care for acute care yes like if there's something wrong with you in the moment and there's there's something that has to be done okay run to the medication get what you need right now but as far as long-term care that's not something that I'm into Um, I've had issues with one where like I'm unable to like understand who not to express certain things to. Like for a perfect example, I had a gentleman that we picked up the other day who was, um, he was in renal failure. He had one of his kidneys removed and he was running a fever and he also had a hernia in his stomach. He had um, a multitude of other disorders going on. And like when we picked him up, he just like, he's relatively young dude, like 55. We picked him up, he just kept saying like, I'm just so sick, you know, I don't feel well. Um, we picked him up, he's like, I'm usually on oxygen, but I'm not on oxygen right now, but you guys should probably put me on oxygen because I'm usually on oxygen. And then like, I'm just talking to him. I'm like, you know, if you keep telling yourself you're sick, you're gonna just be sick. Why don't you try, like, I know, you know, it won't fix it in one day, but why don't you just try telling yourself if you feel better? Why don't you try to tell yourself that you're doing okay? Or like, this is not the reality of today, like, tomorrow you'll be better or and he's just like but you don't feel what I feel you don't know what it's like to be sick every day and I'm just like I understand what you're saying and I get it but like what is telling yourself you're sick gonna really do towards helping you and he's like so you're telling me I'm not sick and it's like when dealing with that it's like you don't want to sound like you're being um like you're desensitized or like you're not taking his feelings into consideration so it's like that's a struggle for me yeah and um, also other struggle I would say I have is like dealing with um the emotions of families when they deal with loss it's mm-hmm. so like when a family loses somebody like it's hard for me to kind of disassociate myself from their intense emotion in that time yeah. and and actually like making that my own so like whenever I deal with that situation it usually drags on for like a week before I can actually like stop thinking about the moment you know
1: yeah yeah it, it, it's so true about the you know, you don't want to be insensitive, right? But you see that this person is driving their sickness with their thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you tell them that in a way that they'll receive it, right? Because probably in that in that space, you know, their consciousness isn't open to the way you the way yours is. So they can't understand what you're saying. I would say with that guy in the in the ambulance it's almost like rather than um, asking him to change his thoughts, asking him, when did you start thinking like this? Mm. You know, like, when did you start thinking you were sick? When did that start? And then maybe it would like click in for him. Like, I've been sick since I was a kid. Oh, what happened to you when you were a kid? And then it starts to like, get in there rather than, and I've learned this myself because, you know, when you know all these things, you want to help someone and, you know, you want to just like, you want them to feel better. But I've learned that in order for them to feel better, they have to understand and recognize and realize why they don't feel better in the first place. And it can't be something that you tell them. They have to understand it on their own, but you can like, Get them to that place of realization. You know what I mean? But you mm-hmm. can't tell them, like, just change your thoughts because their thoughts are happening because of their childhood and their experiences or something traumatic. So that guy, he needs a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, what else did you say? Oh, about the death and like holding on to that for a couple days. That'd be so hard. Yeah.
2: What brought you into emergency medicine in the first place? So, um, the first time, the first, the, I had like two go-arounds with it. The first time I went around with it, it was because um, I personally had like, always had like a love for medicine. I went to a high school, my high school was based around medical studies and biology. Mm-hmm. And um, I was originally in nursing school and I'm a very impatient individual. So <laughs> I was uh, in nursing school. And I was getting ready to do my rotations um you know um at towards the end of the nursing school and um I just kept telling myself, like, this is so boring like I feel like this is just a hospital job uh office job in the hospital and mm-hmm. then I kept running into the e m t s and I'm just like, yo, those dudes have the cool job like they're out there they're doing all the dope stuff like I, I want to be who they are so I left nursing school and then I went to uh medical um tech school and um got my licenses at e m t and I started working and um at the same time I was working as an EMT, I was also working as a bartender and I was I bartended for like eight years. And like I have like a a different passion when it comes to bartending, but I don't necessarily feel as if my passion for bartending actually stems with the actual art of bartending. It's more so just the level of communication that you have with people. And it's just so in, intimate when it's just like you're at the bar and then people are right in your face. So it's like, you have to be there to yep. make these conversations and find ways to use the 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 drinks that you're making you know help them whatever they're doing but you know since i've kind of like reached a whole different level of like consciousness and educated myself on alcohol i kind of like tried to find different ways to do that without using alcohol and you know healthier ways to communicate you know connect to people um there was that i left the medical field for a little while i left the emt for a little bit under a year um to go pursue the whole bartending situation i had offered i got offered by eric a job at work at soho house and i decided to dive into that a little bit more and see what that opportunity was like and then uh you know this whole situation that's going on now with covid happened and it kind of cut that short for me and then i had a personal experience at home with one of my family members who got into an emergency medical situation and it was an actual emergency like a a mental health situation Mm -hmm. and just the way that i responded to the situation it kind of like jumps like kick-started those memories of being an emt again and i was like you know what i think it's time for me to go back and then i just went back and ever since then i've just been like just like loving it just doing my thing trying to find best ways to help people uh learning from everyone's situations like i just take every every call as like a lesson to learn something new about life and you know not necessarily how i can learn firsthand but i can learn from others mistakes to kind of like better myself and and sometimes a lot of the people that are in these positions like they have like some of the dopest life advice like they're like oh you know just try to live your life to the fullest especially when they're like there on the brink of like i want to say death but like when they're in their worst positions they kind of like start to have all these regretful talks and like insightful talks so yeah. it's kind of like um it's, it's really it's really it's really it's, it's really kind of a healing environment as crazy as it sounds because these people the, the trauma from other individuals kind of brings you peace and I know that sounds kind of crazy but it's just like just the talk and the way that they express themselves during the moment it just brings peace to the whole situation if that makes sense
1: it does it it, it keeps you humble
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I appreciate and yeah you know, the, the temporary life that we all are living. You get a glimpse of people almost in fear but also like wanting to live.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, so, yeah. it's so interesting to me that you said that. It feels coincidental because um, yesterday my brother and I went to the uh, physical trainer for the first time in a very long time and uh, had one of the most intense workouts of my life. And... <laughs> I was in this state of pain. My heart was hurting, my body was hurting. And in that moment, uh, you you question all the decisions you've made prior where you're like, why do I eat ice cream? Why do I have cookies? Why, like, why am I choosing all these bad things when I know they have negative consequences on my health? And then when you're put in that situation where you feel those consequences, you just question everything. Um, and it's very, it's very insightful and it's very um,
2: eye-opening when you're in that moment. Would, you, would you have any, any input onto why do you feel like, even after we have those realizing moments, like, why do I eat these stuff and why do I do this? Do you have any like uh, insight on why do we choose to do those things that are bad for us, even though we know they're bad for us? Like, we learn they're bad, but we continue to go back to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um we forget that we're animals.
2: <laughs>
1: we forget that we're animals. And the fact that it, our biology craves sugar, craves salt, craves meats you know, our biology, um, specifically dopamine, gets, you know, increased whenever you eat something processed with tons of flavor. Like, you become an addict, so it's not it's not an individual's fault for becoming addicted to things that bring them pleasure. It bring them pleasure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it's important for everyone to know that our society is built around the manipulation of your biology.
0: Hundred percent. Right.
1: <laughs> like, marketing, um, big, big food companies, um, they have learned to literally manipulate us and to make us addicts and want to buy their stuff from advertising to commercials to the flavor to the packaging. I mean, they have really learned what drives purchases. And they've really learned what drives addiction because that's what makes them money. So it's recognizing that, okay, I'm addicted to these things because everyone is. So what am I going to do to set up my life so that way I can reduce this addiction, even though I'm going to be bombarded with advertising and marketing and they're going to be in the grocery store. I mean, look at our grocery store. It is aisles and aisles and aisles of processed foods. I mean, no. they have learned all really, they've made it down to a science when it comes to flavor. So, and they've created multiple flavors. I mean, Oreos, look at Oreos. Oreos in its original flavor is amazing. But now there's 20 new flavors. So, Now the person who's addicted to Oreos, who's going to try these other flavors is addicted to these other flavors too. And it's hard to, you know, I never want to put blame or shame on someone because once you try that new Oreo, that increases dopamine in your brain. And if you have, and dopamine is a reward hormone, neurotransmitter. So if you are low in dopamine and your life is sad and you want to increase that dopamine that fix then you're gonna go get the drug that's available at the grocery store
0: hmm. one thing that I that has helped me personally is because I have the worst sweet tooth in the world like I, it, I if it was healthy I would eat two pints of ice cream in a night I, when I was in college <laughs> it was, it's, it's just so delicious when I was in college I uh, we had this incredible cook like startup cookie shop near us and i would order cookies and crush like four and five in a night and one thing that has helped me to to somewhat overcome that addiction because i'm still working on it i'm gonna be honest um but is to recognize that those cookies and those sweets have don't give me lasting satisfaction they give me momentary satisfaction. And so when you recognize that having that cookie or ice cream or whatever it may be, only gives you temporary, a temporary happy feeling, you can make the conscious effort to then be like, well, let me find something that gives me lasting satisfaction.
2: Right.
1: Exactly. And and I think that's the goal is to figure out where in your life can you find more joy where can you create more space for creativity and where can you create more space for stillness so that way you can become aware of your triggers so that way you're not a slave to your triggers mm-hmm. because then once you are a slave to your triggers you become imprisoned in your body
0: 100 percent. yeah um so before I just want to double check. Do you have any time constraints today?
1: Um, I would say in 20 minutes, I gotta go. Okay.
0: Okay. So let's try and jump to some other topics real quick. All
2: right. So uh, two two things I wanted to t- touch on. Um, can you like explain to us just in like simple terms for those of um, those who don't know what Oriental medication is, and what is your relationship with Oriental medica- medication?
1: Yes. And now do you mean like oriental medicine or specifically oriental medication? Medicine. Okay. So oriental medicine is, um, let's see, it includes acupuncture, it includes diet, it includes herbs, it includes meditation, it includes massage. Um, It's also called TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. Um, And it really aims to do exactly what naturopathic medicine does, but just in a different way and with just a different philosophy, um, but very similar, where it tries to restore the body's balance and harmony between natural opposing forces, like those stressors that we've been talking about, and those opposing forces could be yang, which are stimulating and, you know, uh, that fight or flight or yin in what that means is calm and not stimulated and burnt out. Um, so you want to constantly be, uh, balancing those two forces, which can block energy or chi and cause disease. Yeah. And I, I definitely use or utilize that concept in my own work um, because like we've been talking about, those stressors, those opposing forces that are fight or flight or burnt out, um, it really does block someone's ability to heal and will manifest into the physical.
2: So uh, for, the, for the people who are listening who are like brand new to the, just the idea of all of these, uh, to oriental medication, to holistic health, to Mm -hmm. self healing, the idea of emotions being way more tangible than people assume. Like what would be the beginning steps for somebody who's feeling like, man, you know, maybe there is something wrong with me and I'm not taking into consideration or people that are thinking that maybe my doctor's not right. What would you recommend as their first step towards trying the holistic health method and trying to like, you know, heal themselves something different than what they've been doing already?
1: Yeah, I would say um, go to a holistic or naturopathic or functional medicine doctor that's going to run tests on vitamin deficiencies, your microbiome, uh, and help you first identify imbalances in your body. And then along with that, go see a therapist. And talk to them about your experiences and your childhood and become more self-aware of who you are and why you are the way you are. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then after that journey, I would say both the therapist and the practitioner are going to really help support you and strengthen you and help you become more aware of your habits and your lifestyle and your diet and your thoughts and all those things and then once you've done that I would say depending on the age, depending on the person, I would then go into psychedelic medicine mm-hmm. Um I'm going to go next with my question <laughs> Yeah, I probably once you work on the physical the mental, then I would go to the emotional and spiritual, and that's with psychedelic medicine
2: mm.
0: And what What role has psychedelics or do they play in the healing process and like what is their effect on human beings that uh, has been found to be um, positive and helpful?
1: Yeah. So psychedelics uh, have a huge body of research supporting their efficacy Mm. and they have been shown to help resistant depression. Uh, they have been shown to help anxiety, PTSD, OCD. Um, they, have been help, uh, they have been shown to help migraines, allergies, addiction. They help with emotional processing. They help with trauma. Um, they help someone love themselves and love the earth again and become connected to life. And they help, um, they help you resolve resentment that might be eating you up inside and might be holding you back from your true potential in this lifetime.
2: You know, I have to, I definitely have to to see what your thoughts are on this. Like, um, cause I've, uh, I haven't like done it in any professional environment, sure. but I have tried out some psychedelics before, specifically philocybin it was after my first time you know trying it out and for people who don't know what philocybin just the mushrooms or magic mushrooms or whatever they call them yeah um, so um I tried it and it was like after my first experience I was like I literally sat there and I asked myself why is it that everybody cannot have this experience like I felt so grounded and like it was like um it's almost like you come out and while you're in it, it's almost like you're not, I want to say necessarily like a mental fog, but it's almost like you're in a mental disillusion where your mind basically becomes who you are. Or, and it's like, I had to ask myself like, uh, you guys were? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah, we're here, we're here.
0: Um, You're frozen.
2: I had to kind of like ask myself like, uh, how come this is not something that everybody gets to experience? You know, I I felt so light after, (laughs) I felt so like, open after i felt like i can express myself better like i wasn't able to speak to my family a certain type of way and like literally the day, the next day after i was speaking to them like an entirely different person and it was just like why do you do you have any idea or what is your your feelings towards why do you think um certain things like uh like uh like a psychedelics or like natural stimulants are frowned upon in the medical community when it's been found that they have such positive effects on individuals who are dealing with emotional distress or emotional issues?
1: Yeah. Um, One, I think it's really cool that you had that experience. Really cool. cool. And that is I mean, that's really what also drove me to become a psychedelic therapist is my own experiences like that and my own like revelations and, you know, realizing like, oh my goodness, you know, my childhood, I saw it this way. And with psilocybin, it helped me see it another way. It helped me see it from my dad's eyes, from my mom's eyes, from my neighbor's eyes. It helped me see it in such a multiple perspective that all resentment just disappeared and that was a huge part of healing for me and I think what is such a catalyst for other people and you know regarding uh psilocybin and the medical community I would say that we've been in a psychedelic renaissance And the past 60, 70 years, we have been accumulating research and evidence that now, beginning in 2021, uh, psychologists um, and psychiatrists are now going to be able to choose a psychedelic rotation. Wow. Because it is the future of mental health. Um, And as far as do this, I think that, you know, Psilocybin mushrooms are a tool and technology that the earth provides to heal ourselves. And I think that it helps our, it's not, I think, we show it's factual that uh, neurons, the um, the little communicators in the brain that send messages, they send messages better after psilocybin Connections that have been disconnected in the brain connect now. The brain regrows itself and is able to see things from a non traumatic point of view that we've all been swimming in. And why would Big Pharma or anyone that helps, uh, that is leading us in any way, want us to not only heal ourselves? but also realize our true potential.
2: <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, uh, um, if anybody really caught that statement, it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, bro. It's just like, it just, it just ties into a lot. And it just makes so much like, why would they it's just like, they s- seem to be here to help us. That's what their message is. But it's like, why would they want us to actually help ourselves?
1: No, if they did, they would teach diet and lifestyle, they would teach emotional intelligence, they would teach somatic therapy to children. But I think we're heading in that direction because so many of us are becoming aware and so many of us are learning about psychedelics. I think that the more that people do it in the right set and setting and do it with, I, I personally think that if you do it with a therapist or a guide, at least for the first few times. So that way you can get the most healing um, and then you can continue and do it on your own um, after that guide and therapist can can talk to you about the dose and like what is best for you and your body. I think that it's really important um, for our society to evolve and to become better. I mean, psychedelics, specifically psilocybin because it's so natural and comes from the earth literally makes us better people. Like mm. we need that more than ever right now.
0: It makes us kind and compassionate and mm. Mm. understanding, which to me is the most important thing.
1: Yes, and it, it really does. I mean, psychedelics uh, are called ethnogenic, And what that means is mind revealing or mind opening. Mm. And so not only does it reveal your mind to you so you can become a better person, and live a better life and feel better, but also it's opening so you can be compassionate to other people's minds and where they are, and also to your home, which is the planet, which we're killing. You know, wow. direct reflection of that.
2: You know, it's uh I was just saying, like, as I was saying earlier, I feel like everybody should have an experience with the psychedelic medication so that they can just understand themselves to a whole different level. I it's like, at the same time, I love that you touch on the point that some people should do it with guides or therapists to try to help walk them through the journey. Because even me, I, I consider myself like a very mentally strong individual, even though I've found out very recently that, you know, I have some places to really, you know, hone in and strengthen that willpower. Mm-hmm. But um, I've told myself as well, like, you know, I was strong enough to hold myself from having bad experiences on psychedelics but I can think of a million people who I, who need to try this, but I don't think they should ever do it alone because the truth of their mental, of the, of their subconscious would literally eat them alive. Hmm. You know, and that's not the safe experience mentally for certain people.
1: Right. I think it's, it's very healing and it's shown to be very healing and powerful. Um, but it's, it's really important to respect the medicine and respect it in a way that um, shamans used to do it. And you know, in every single culture I mean, this goes back millennia, thousands and thousands of years, you know, tens of thousands. people have been doing psilocybin mushrooms, and they've been doing it in a ritualistic, ceremony-like manner with shamans, and that shouldn't go away. It's really important to have someone there to support you while you're having your journey and while you're having your experience and while you're exploring your consciousness. And I know for some people, they might be watching and go, oh, I don't want to explore my consciousness. Oh my goodness, like that sounds scary. But that's the point of having a therapist and a guide to walk you through it, to let you know that anything that happens during an experience is meant for you to teach you something. There actually are no bad experiences. But if you're alone and you're not with a guide, you're going to be like, yes, there are bad experiences because you're alone or you're with friends and you're not with someone who's trained to teach you that actually this bad experience is really you feeling uncomfortable. Let's explore this because there's something there that is probably needing healing. That's why, that's why it came up. You know, and a lot of times people have bad experiences because they are resisting the, um,
0: the knowledge,
1: the process. Yeah. And they're, they're like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. But really, the mushroom is telling you to go there. So it's really important for you to trust and let go. And I think that's what a lot of people have a hard time with when it comes to depression and anxiety. They don't know how to trust. They don't know how to let go because they've been taught not to do those things. So it's important to have a therapist or guide who's trained um, for the first couple of times uh, to really help you explore it in the most safe and healing way.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah I, um, my opinion on it is that the brain is like the biggest puzzle in the world to me. And psilocybin can help you solve that puzzle so why not you know explore that um but so i know you're short on time at the end of every episode we'd like to ask uh two questions to each guest um first one i'm not gonna you know uh give any background to it or explain why we do it i'm just gonna shoot you straight and, okay
1: here we go <laughs> uh,
0: how you define happiness
1: hmm. I would say that happiness is being content with who you are.
0: Agreed. Full-heartedly agree.
1: (laughs) And it's hard. That's hard. It's hard to get there. And it's hard to, you know, you can't tell someone to think themselves happy. You can't do that, you know, because again, their thoughts have been created from the time they were in the womb until they were seven years old. You know, that's when your subconscious is formed. So if your mom or dad gave you thoughts that are negative, that make you feel unwanted or not good enough or whatever the case you can't tell someone, you know, just think happy, just feel content. You're great. You're amazing because deep down they don't feel that, you know, because they've been trained to not feel that. Um, And I think that is really where psychedelics help. They really can help with the subconscious Um, and helping someone feel happier about who they are and feel more content about who they are. But the other thing with happiness is that happiness is its a feeling, and feelings are temporary. So mm-hmm. It's a contentment of who you are, but also you're not going to always feel happy. Happiness is something that I think it's like um, it's something to appreciate when you feel it, but don't expect to feel it all the time. Because. Mm-hmm. I mean, even myself, after doing lots of psychedelics and healing myself, I don't feel happy all the time. I feel stressed. I feel fear. I feel sad. I feel depressed. I sometimes don't feel good enough and have to work on all the other things to um, support and strengthen my mindset. But I do have to say that with psychedelics, I definitely feel happier than I've ever felt.
2: That's That's beautiful. All right. And our second question is, um, what is your idea of success?
1: Hmm. Good one. So it's changed. It's recently changed. Um, I would say before success was, you know, having a career that provided you a good amount of money so you can be comfortable in the way you live. Um, but now I would say that success is not a destination success is an action just like love when you decide to work on what you enjoy and when you work on that every day that's success it's an action i think it's a verb i don't think it's a place
0: well i love both those answers and they're unique to anything we've gotten before so
1: Good. <laughs> I have I have fifteen minutes. Oh, do you? I have fifteen minutes.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I have more questions.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: sure. Um, one thing I heard you mention earlier uh, was uh, some somatic therapy. I've heard you mention it a few times, but I have no idea what it is. Do you mind? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, somatic therapy is. Let's see. It is. It's holistic, uh, and what it does is it focuses on how the mind and body are impacted. And it helps someone, um, so let's see here. When someone goes through trauma and they go through experiences, what happens is that trauma is stored in the body. And so in order for someone to release trauma, they have to not only work on thoughts, but also recognizing what's happening in the body. And a lot of times people are always wrapped up in their head. You know, they're always wrapped up in overthinking or what am I going to do or my goals or what I have to do later. But they're not thinking about how their legs feel, or what they're hearing, or what they're smelling, or what chair they're sitting in, and how that feels, you know, how it feels to be supported by that chair. So, somatic therapy helps someone get in the body, and not only um, get in the body, but listen to the body's story, because the body holds emotions and feelings in different places that you've stored. And somatic therapy is just this gentle way of helping someone use their thoughts to get in the body and help them get out of their head so much. So an example of a somatic exercise, um, actually, if, if you guys are open to it, we can do one.
0: I'm so down. I'm That's- so down.
1: Okay. So, and I'll do it with you. But what we're going to do is you're just going to sit in your chair and I'm going to direct your thoughts to different parts of the body and we'll take it from there. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) what'd you say?
0: Do I need to close my eyes?
1: I'll direct you. Yeah. So first just take a look around the room that you're in and take in what's around the room. Look at the walls, look at the floor, Just notice what's around you. And then notice what you hear inside and outside the room. And now I want to invite you to close your eyes. And I want you to bring your awareness to your feet on the ground. Notice how your feet feel. Notice how it feels to be grounded with the floor and how the floor is supporting you. Bring your awareness to your legs. Now your legs are being supported by the chair you're in. Notice your spine, supporting the core of you and all the way up into your head. Notice your shoulders Bring your awareness to your arms. Bring your awareness to your hands. Bring your awareness to your stomach and how your stomach feels. And now I want to invite you to think about one of the best days of your life. Take your time. Find that day. Think about what makes that day so great. Imagine being there. Notice what is happening in your body by thinking about this day. And whatever you're feeling right now, just take a moment to be there and to feel it. And now I want you to bring your awareness back to your feet. I'm gonna invite you to come into the present moment and notice what you, the sounds inside and outside the room. And when you're ready, I want you to slowly open your eyes. And welcome back.
0: <laughs> that, is awesome.
1: that is a somatic experience mm-hmm. where your thoughts change the sensations and the physiology of your body. And let me ask you both. Let's start, Eric.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How was that for you?
0: Uh, for me, it was um, relaxing.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and um, reassuring. It made me feel uh, more connected to earth and to life. And um, I also was able to experience that happy moment that I went to and it kind of took over my, my legs and my body. And, uh, I was just, I, it was very blissful. Mm. So it was a powerful experience for me.
1: And and that's, this is called resourcing. So (laughs) what I just, what we just experienced, you have this resource that you can tap into. And you can do this exercise on a daily basis and get to that happy place and feel bliss whenever you're stressed out.
2: Well, I'm going to do that a lot.
1: <laughs> How about you?
2: Uh, it was very, very humbling and um, and very and um, made me very feel very appreciative for like um, just like um, my body parts and the roles that they play and like even up to my shoulders giving my arms support so that my arms can lift things and my -hmm. feet being the foundation so that my legs can actually work the spine being there to hold my core up so that my lungs can expand and it's just like it kind of humbled me and it brought me back down to the point where it's like um, made me realize that made me realize again that you know we are 90, like 90% of, of what we are is mental and the physical is just the outward expression of that. So it's just like, uh, it's, it was like a very, it was like a moment of gratitude for me to like one experience that blissful moment, that, that blissful happy moment. Again, I was thinking about, um, when I, we won a championship game back in high school when I was playing rugby and it's just like I felt that rush of adrenaline again. And it's like, I felt like almost like my legs activating and it's just like, just understanding just like that simple thought helped my body almost reconnect to the moment. It's like very humbling and it brings into perspective the things that on on a daily basis that I think about that I allow my body to connect to. And it almost, you know, makes me wanna take more heat into that and feed myself more thoughts that are going to make my body actually step into a future that I want for myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, actually just change it to have that actually help change my reality. That was actually crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm so happy that you both had a good experience. And, you know, imagine for anyone watching this, just, you know, listening to the power of just, Bringing yourself back to a happy day, imagine the opposite and what happens in the body when you are thinking about things that aren't happy, and that aren't you know, gonna make you feel good. Think about the bodily sensations that happen in the body with those thoughts.
0: That's, that's so eye-opening. And it's kind of what I was referring to earlier when I said uh, there'll be moments where I think of something negative or uh, I f- I'm feeling resentment or pain uh, emotionally, and I can then start to feel it physically, and my body gets hot, and uh, it makes me recognize how. Uh, I, the, the positive moment that I just had when we did that exercise was so like genuinely was very powerful. And I like, I felt it in my heart and I felt like happy and giddy almost. Mm-hmm. And I now recognize that I don't allow myself to feel that enough. And I recognize how powerful those bad thoughts can be and that I need to be aware of them and consciously make an effort to suppress them when not suppress maybe that's the bad word cuz that i guess therapeutically it's okay to recognize them so you can get past them but just to know that i need to figure out a way to allow myself to think positively as well you know
1: yeah And, you know, with with the emotions and the feelings, one thing, like you said, you don't want to suppress them. When you're feeling negative, it's important to not suppress it. It's important to be curious and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? What might be triggering this? You know, is it something I'm doing And if it's something like grief or it's something like um, something that legitimately makes you sad, it's important for you to feel that sadness and to create space from maybe your professional life or your personal life to feel your feelings and not to suppress it. Because Mm -hmm. the problem is that we suppress our emotions. So it's important to process them and release them. And then feed yourself good, you know, feelings as well. But it has to be this dance of both.
2: Yeah. And I've think, been, um, sorry, Nate, you go ahead. You go ahead. I've been like, I've been the, ever since like I've started like, um, being a slightly more conscious to just my presence. I've been putting myself on a journey to where I want to just connect to myself on a spiritual level. And, um, being in this, like, a being in, like, in a conscious state to just your existence, you notice, like, you notice how just the negativity and the failures in life kind of like they play a huge role in bringing you, bringing you down and, like, kind of like creating these diseases in your body. So, I've always, like, I've, I've just started this new thing where I tell myself I acknowledge no failure and no negativity in my life. Like, I don't give it any place to stand and I do not acknowledge it. So it's like even when I have quote-unquote negative emotions, like when, I, when I'm feeling angry or when I feel anxious or when I feel sad or grief-stricken, it's almost like I don't necessarily try to now. I don't try to suppress them, but I try to give these emotions space and I appreciate them and I try to recognize what it does to my body when I'm feeling anxious or when i feel frustration and anger what is, what is it doing to my body and instead of trying to like tell myself no you're not angry i try to take the moment and be like okay you're frustrated what is this doing to your body and how can you how can it help you move forward in this situation how can this 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 uh this state that your mind is putting you in what is this in a response to and how is it being used to help you progressively move forward yeah um, It's, it's just like that self-talk when not even like, even when I do these things and I have that self-talk, it doesn't even allow the negative, the negative thoughts to even creep in. Like it's almost like you stop yourself from having the negative thoughts. And even when I I have negative thoughts anymore, it's almost like I catch myself going back into like old negative habits. And I tell myself like, is this productive to what you're trying to do? I see you're slipping back into this habit. Like, why do you feel like you need to go back here? And it's almost like, like when people say, don't talk to yourself, it's almost like you have, to, it's like, I'm consistently, I put myself in a position where I'm consistently um, talking to myself in a mirror. <laughs> and it's like, you like, I'm, I'm like the own coach in my own life where it's like, I tell myself, what would you do if you were, if you were watching you right now? Mm-hmm. Or what would you do if somebody was watching you right now? And I tell myself like, you're watching, why are you doing this? you know and it almost puts yourself in a position where you have to do better because you know that you're mentally watching yourself yeah
1: and it's so important that you love yourself in front of people and behind closed doors yes 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 you're gonna say something
0: me i um god what was i gonna say you're right <laughs> <laughs> i to be honest i think i forgot
1: that's okay. Any any other uh, questions you got for me?
0: Um, let me see here. I guess I guess the last one I had was, um, and we've kind of touched on it with psilocybin, but your uh, your website says and makes a um, an effort to note the importance of being connected with nature. Mm. Um, that nature can have a profound effect on human beings. And um, I guess my question is, how can nature positively affect us as in our health?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good question. And so nature, um, (laughs) hmm, gosh, research shows that spending time in nature seeing nature scenes, um, forest bathing, going out and taking a walk and activating your senses, you know, listening, smelling, seeing, um, you know, touching trees, you know, sitting on the ground. All of this can decrease blood pressure, can heal wounds faster, decreases violence, hostility, decreases attention deficit disorder, decreases depression, decreases anxiety, enhances creativity, increases energy. You know, children in rural areas that are more, uh, that have more exposure to nature have less ADD and focus problems because of their connection to nature. Because when you, remember we're animals. And I think the problem is that we are building our society and cities away from nature and killing all the nature, which I'm not happy about, but what do we do? You know, what do we do? And this is something that is, it's a much bigger conversation, but nature calms us and also brings, um, it's like a mirror for our consciousness. You know, when you go for a walk, in nature, you know, you can do self-reflecting, and it can be scary. You know, you could meet parts of yourself that you no know, existed. But in doing that, and working through that, and you know, having those reflecting moments, you can support your mental health and physical health. Um, I mean, earthing. You know, earthing is the uh, it is the practice of standing barefoot on grass or dirt. This is shown to heal wounds faster, decrease inflammation, improve sleep, help release emotions, um, and doing that 20 minutes a day. You know, research shows that spending, it, you need to spend a minimum of two hours in nature a week to feel a sense of well being. <laughs> How many people are not in nature two hours a week? And feeling anxious, you know,
0: feeling, uh uh-huh. Yeah, in New York, we are surrounded by brick and man-made things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny you said that thing about earthing, because uh, over the summer, one of the most enjoyable things I did was uh, I would go to Central Park with my friends, and uh, we'd go to the Great Lawn, which just is a giant open field, Mm -hmm. um, and we'd lay out our towels, and we'd take off our shoes and shirts, and just be barefoot, running around in the grass, throwing the football around. And every time I took off my sock and my feet touched the earth, it felt, it felt so great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the evidence for nature exposure and improved health outcomes is outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, recovery time from surgeries and cancer. Um, You know, I mentioned blood pressure already, which so many people um, are dealing with, but it really can have such an impact on um, our physiology. And there's, I mean, I would even say that many children and many people are suffering from nature deficit disorder. Hmm. Mm.
2: NDD right there, bro. It's a. It's. A, um. I've actually ran into the concept of grounding not too long ago, of earthing, not too long ago, and um, one of the like, cause I'm like a super analytical person. I need like, sometimes I need like facts and numbers behind things before I kind of like, give it a give it a give us the a, a time of day. Mm-hmm. But um, I introduce all perspectives now, so it's like when I first heard about the grounding, one of the things that kind of like caught my attention was there was a doctor who was speaking about it. And he says that naturally, the earth omits positive ions. Yep. So once you allow your feet to touch the earth, it kind of offsets the negative ions that we take on throughout our daily lives. And it kind of like um, flushes those out and pushes inward, the positive ions. And it basically like neutral um, balances out your body and gives you like a neutral playing ground to kind of start fresh.
1: Yeah.
2: Once he put it into that perspective, I was like, all right, this makes sense, you yeah. know if you look at it from a biological science or chemistry biological kind of like standpoint it makes perfect sense then if you just tell someone just put your bare foot on the ground you'll you'll feel better you know
1: yeah no there's actual an exchange of energy happening but there's an exchange of energy happening in everything and right now you know so it's it it's important that that exchange of energy is happening though and we're not constantly on concrete and have shoes on because again, we are animals, we evolved. we are organisms of this planet, this alive planet and we're, you know, we're like the microbiome of this planet. And if we um, aren't connected to it, how can we function?
0: love that. Um, I don't really have any more questions, Nate I feel like we have touched
2: on so much today. I'm like, uh, like my goal is to walk away from every one of these um, meetups with people and like walk away with a feeling of enlightenment. And I feel like I've reached that today. Like, I feel like I can say I definitely walked away and learned so much. And it's like, uh, I'm highly appreciated that you took the time and actually came out to speak to us today and drop yeah. these gems and enlighten us. It's, it's, it's so it's, it's amazing. Of course, I, thank
1: you so much I, for having me.
2: thank you for being here um but
0: how can our listeners uh find you
1: yeah so my instagram handle is dr felty uh, d-r-f-e-l-t-y and my email is info at drfelty.com and my website is just drfelty.com um I do office appointments and virtual appointments um, out of Chicago, but I do see people in New York. I see people all over the United States. Uh, so I'm happy to support you if you need that. Um, so yeah, that's how they can get a hold of me.
0: Well, we look forward to, um, to keeping in touch and seeing where you're at in a few years and um, staying connected to the earth most importantly.